Feminist Friends and welcome back to Real Feminism, the podcast where we talk about films from an intersexual feminist perspective. I started those words and then had no idea how they were going to come out of my mouth, but I think that worked out quite well. So we're fine. My name is Jo and I'm your host and today I'm joined by two fabulous co-hosts, Gina. Hello. <laughs> and Kareem. Hi. And we have really put ourselves through the ringer for you guys because we've all watched Love Actually and personally it felt like a torturous experience for me. <laughs> so Love Actually was released in 2003, directed by Richard Curtis. I had a look to see if any women worked behind the scenes and I could only find two female co-producers, Lisa Chassin and Deborah Hayward. One of them has produced a lot of famous things. But I looked at that over a week ago and I can't remember which one or what she's done. But one of them is a big deal. Oh, this film. Um, in terms of <laughs> characters. <laughs> there are a lot of female characters in this film. But I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember any of their names. I think what really struck me when I rewatched this movie was that every film, like, except for Emma Thompson's character, for example, mm. I think most of the women are just here to, they're not the main character of the story, the men's mm. Oh, possibly with the exception of Sarah, who I've written down for my remembrance, sexy geek man. Yeah, I made a note of that and that I was really surprised that you just, despite it being centred around same-sex relationships, there's such little women's screen time and you just don't know anything about their emotions mm. or how they feel about the situation. And it was really interesting because I always liked this film and I just, it really hit me by surprise that I'd never noticed that before. And just watching it, I was like, wow, you really don't know anything about what these women are thinking. Like they are purely there as prop to the men it's it's wild considering how many different stories there are they don't delve into them at all one of the things that i was re really wondering when i tried to find the information about this is if you have to count the minutes of men talking and the women talking in the movie Ooh. i think it will be really unequal yeah because i don't like a lot of the characters even if they are like main characters they don't talk that much whether it's a woman with you grant it's her girlfriend she doesn't talk that much the story with colin firth and aurelia his girlfriend mm. she doesn't talk that much it, there's many stories that was just and and i mean i, I love I, I loved this movie and i've seen many times before and i mean the cast is amazing mm. between like alan rickman Lauren Linley, Emma Thompson, Colin Firth, Hugh Grant, Bill Knightley, but I don't know, it just felt really, on, most of them, I think they're not used as, um, as well as they should have been. They have no death, mm. and, but it's actually very true for the female characters. Yeah, I was going to say, I think maybe mm. for this film, we'll throw out talking about the characters specifically and just talk about the film generally. Because there are so many different storylines and characters that I think we could get bogged down quite quickly. Although there are a handful of intersectional characters who are in it even less mm. than... They're just there. One of the things I noticed about the film when I was trying to work out if it passed the female Bechdel test, which I think it does purely... Oh, it? Okay, so Emma Thompson talks to her daughter about how she's going to be the first lobster. Oh, and that's come on. It. And I don't know if that counts... <laughs> <laughs> that's so bleak but yeah I guess if we're being if we're doing no specification. It by, the, by the book there's no specification it can't be a child but I was actually surprised by how you see a lot of friendships between men and women like Emma Thompson and the guy who plays Aslan Liam Neeson <laughs> like you see a lot of friendships between them and like Sarah and Alan Rickman have a lot of conversations together and it feels like uh, there aren't any female friendships in the film really yeah I thought that you see Someone speaks to Sarah. I think it might be Emma Thompson speaks to Sarah at the wedding or someone else. Mm. It's only for, and it's about a man. It's about the man that she fancies. So it's very limited. I also found that, I don't know if you noticed this, that all of the women are in like really stereotypical roles, like carer roles. So they're either a maid, a PA, or they're, mm. just, they're a, a stay-at-home mum. It's interesting. They're not I don't know, they've all kind of got quite similar lives and mm. attributes that are being shown, whether they're, yeah, mums, waitresses, or like Natalie is a, a maid in the, 
of PM pretty much and it's weird also I've just realized looking down my list of characters because I did write them down and it's a problem that I didn't realize this before and shows how much I've left to learn none of the main characters are black they're all about white people I know all of them there's some characters in it who aren't white but they're not the main characters we had Peter who was the groom and we had the lady who was sort of the chief of staff or the Prime Minister, and then we had Colin, the guy who goes to America, his best friend, who's also the porn director. So yeah, it's it was disappointing that they were all very much on the periphery. You don't really find out their names or any of their thoughts or feelings, which it also really annoys me about the storyline about the groom, Peter, and his best friend, and Kira Knightley. That's just, I think that's the most annoying one, because Peter... He gets shafted by his best friend and you don't find (laughs) anything about how he's feeling. It's just awful. That is the worst story, I think, by far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. This story for me is the worst, especially because from the beginning, even like at the wedding, he said like, thank you for the Brazilian strippers, I think. And you're just like, is it trying to already like rig the marriage, the, the wedding? What is he trying to do? And this whole thing makes want us to feel sorry for this guy but I just did not like it's this is your best friend's wife and you basically kind of like in a creepy ways watching her from from afar being rude to her and just like and he called this like self-preservation I was like what the fuck like what what is that like this is not a thing (laughs) yeah and in the same time he's supposed to be this nice guy to do all this stuff for his best friend and then at the end she's like kissing him and you're like oh I'm like no this is not okay and we really don't care about the groom really it's all about him that's also like really showed me like the, the women in this show are not important this story is about him. The story with Colin first about Colin Forth, really. The story with Hugh Grant is about Hugh Grant. Even the story between Emma Thompson and Anna Rickman is mostly about Aaron Rickman and how he's going to react to this. And then there's a guy who goes to America and that's a whole different story with all the cliche about America. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? I, I was really like, I do not understand this story. We have a young British guy who thinks that going to America is going to have these hot girls. And he goes to a bar and he's, you meet the most ridiculously cliche American woman who want to have sex with them in a threesome. This is not even close to what could happen to a man who arrived in Wisconsin. I mean, in Wisconsin, it's not even California. It's like, it's going to like <laughs> So weird. Yeah, I didn't like that story. But that's the thing, like really right now when I'm thinking about this movie, because I've seen it many times before. I haven't seen it in years, to be honest. Like I think, because there's many things I didn't remember. So when I watched it today, I was really, oh, like even the part that, yeah, with the signs, I remember thinking, oh, this is cute. It's like, he's going to step aside and he's going to be like this, the bigger person and she's being nice to him and that's romantic but really is it romantic like i don't understand what was the gesture for why was doing this i i don't know what do you think when i was younger i fancied him which is weird now because i don't find him attractive at all but also i think i thought oh no that's so sad he's in love with her and she doesn't love him back i feel so sorry for him and then as an adult i'm like oh my god you need to get over that presumably your best mate has known her for quite a while if they've got married they are now married and you're still in like in love with her i think now i'm like that's bullshit you're not in love with her you just fancy her and you just mm. need to fucking move past that. You're a grown man. And stop being all like being mean to her to the point where everyone thinks you hate her. Filming her at her wedding and just being really creepy and planning to keep that tape for God knows what purpose. Just you have pictures of her face on her wedding day. It's so weird. Or I think talk to Peter about it. I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of opportunities for this film to maybe be... I don't know, interesting or slightly different dynamic. It was strange. One of the stories that I didn't remember that happened and I thought it was cute, the one with your Grant, he's like prime minister and he's supposed to be like this very cool guy, cool prime minister, like he's actually normal and everything. But he fires her because he fancies her. That kind of like shocked me. 
Like he basically said, I want her not working with us anymore because he fancies her. And that's not good in a goof and average. Like it's so unprofessional to decide, like, I just want to get rid of her because that's basically what he says. They didn't even say fire her, just said get rid of her. She's she she needs to go. And that's mm-hmm. a weird thing too. Then to like to go to her house and then like say even her like her behavior like writing this like you've been fired by your job because this powerful man was like a powerful man like he's a prime minister of the uk it's not like a small job and basically <laughs> he's just like fancy him still after losing her job because of him it was a weird thing i don't understand the story either also his reaction to the president and him like assaulting natalie yeah. And when Hugh walks into the room, you can, like, Marty McCutcheon did a really good job of showing in her face that she needs to be rescued right now. Like, in her eyes, you can see that this man is coming on to me. He's the president of the United States. Can you do something? I don't know what to do. And it seems like he blames Mm. her for it and thinks she's into it. And his reaction is just to be like, hey, president, you can't take our things. Our country's great. Mm. Instead of being like, oh, my God, Natalie, you're okay. I'm so sorry that happened to you. It was really horrible. We need to talk about the jokes about Marty McCutcheon's weight as well. Oh my god. Oh my god. When the chief of staff calls her the chubby girl and says she has huge thighs, I honestly was like eating loads of popcorn at the same time. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, like just dropped it. I was like, this is outrageous. Like 2003, you don't think isn't that long ago, but Jesus, like imagine if that was said now. Mm. Also, she's tiny. She's minuscule. I, I mean, not that that would make it okay if she won't, but no. like, holy macaroni. She's just a normal woman. What and oh even her dad, I think, calls her Plumpy. That's his nickname for her. So, the chubby girl. And also her ex-boyfriend breaking up with her because she's getting fat. Basically, everybody in her life seems to think that she's fat. Like, I don't know who are those people, but this is weird. No one wants to date someone with tree trunks for legs. Poor <laughs> oh, girl. And then when that woman was like, I'd say there's a size blast on that. Yes, sir. I'm just like, Jesus. A, that's not appropriate. You're at work. Don't say that about your colleagues. It's not okay. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Poor girl. They were also really mean about Aurelia's sister, who's like when Colin offers Aurelia a croissant, which I'm not going to try and say in a French accent because I'll feel awkward with Corinne here. But one of those French pastries. And she's like, oh no, if you saw my sister, you'd understand why I'm saying no. <laughs> like, that's horrible. Then he asked for Ophelia's hand and he sees the sister. And you basically like no because and and then the dad makes like he calls her like Miss Dunkin' Donuts or something. Yeah, shut up, Miss Dunkin' Donut, two thousand and three. <laughs> <laughs> this was awful. I, I think that shocked me more when I so I made Lee watch it last Christmas because he'd never seen it. I was like, it's a classic. You have to watch it. And I think that more than anything else, I picked up on. I was like, holy shit! There's so much fat phobic stuff in here. Yeah, which is weird. Like it's even weirder that it's it's is it written by Richard Curtis? Yes, it's written by him. It's like strange that just like some man. There's no jokes about really, like, men's weight that much, is there? Oh, apart from Billy's record manager or just manager. Oh, yeah. He gets some chubby loads. Yeah, like, I've written down a line where he says, it's a terrible mistake, chubs. And he keeps calling him really ugly. It's horrible. Like, in public, on radio stations, he's just like, yeah, my hideous manager. So mean. I do think Martin McCutcheon was the only one that kind of got, like, she got a few funny lines, at least. That whole bit at the beginning beginning where she meets Hugh Grant for the first time and is like messing yeah, up. Yeah, that's funny. I feel like Emma Thompson's character got a few funny lines. Although one of them that when I first saw it I thought was hilarious when she says, Now which Barbie doll should we give so and so's friend? The one that looks like a transvestite or the one that looks like a dominatrix? And now I'm like, I don't know if that joke works so well. The dominatrix one seems fine. I don't know about the transvestite one. I don't see it as very offensive. I just don't think it's that funny. And also, I just think it came out of nowhere. And her character, which seems is actually the more normal, I would say. I think she's the woman who speaks the most in the movie, to be honest. From all the women, she's the only, she's the one who actually talk to all the stories too. Every woman in this movie seems to have less power than the men she interacts with. I was just going to say, even Emma's character is she's at the power of her husband who's mm. 
not had a physical relationship with his secretary, but is on the way to a physical cheating relationship with her. I don't like Mia. Yeah, I just think it's a bit of a, I don't know, it's 20 years ago now, nearly. It was rom-com. It's just a bit of a cliche, really, isn't it? You don't Mm. get to see Mia's feelings. They just portray it so that you don't like her as, like, the other woman. Weirdly, I don't remember when I saw this, but I remember with my friends, we were watching some deleted scenes, and there's a scene with Mia and the creepy guy where they were talking about, I think she was going to the gallery to view it for the Christmas party. And she was saying that she was trying to get with her boss and she just thought it was a bit of fun and she saw it as a challenge. But that's obviously didn't make the final cut. But everything, like all of the lines she has are so overtly sexual. Like the bit where she says, oh yes, there's lots of dark corners for doing dark deeds and has like opened her legs as she's saying it. I was just like, I don't oh, I feel so oh I don't like it it's not even like she's coming on to him she's so overtly sexual with it and I just didn't like it I was like please stop mm-hmm. you're making me uncomfortable I don't like it and I think they wanted to show that he was the one getting seduced like he couldn't resist it in a way which I think was kind of like the poor man who has this like 20 something woman who's like opening her legs for him and doing this like in an open office like there is no walls everybody and she's talking like openly to anyone and it's a very weird scene it seems like she doesn't hide it but she doesn't want to hide it to anyone poor emma thompson that bit where she's listening to joni mitchell in her room and crying so it still breaks my heart every time I'm like alan how could you <laughs> broke Emma's heart I know but it's also like I know it's a sad scene but at the end of the day it's like okay she cried then she went back to be like this wife and kids Mm. taking the family to the Christmas concert and nothing is really happening nothing is gonna change they don't really have a discussion about it and it's just like they don't talk about this it's just like it happened okay And now she's miserable. You don't see him trying to make it up to her at all or anything. No, they missed that bit out. Although I do think that when she sort of gathers herself together and like goes out to take the kids to their Christmas show, that did feel very characteristic of what a lot of mothers are like. And I think I could see my mother doing that, like finding out something like that. But like there's been loads of stuff that my mum's gone through that she always still will put on a brave face for us, even though it's her she should be worrying about she still will put on a brave face for her kids so for me that felt really realistic and then I you have that scene at the show where Emma says to Alan Rickman oh um what would you do in my situation if you found a piece of jewelry in your husband's pocket that come Christmas day you didn't get as a gift and he's obviously given it to someone Mm. else I always took it that he went away for a while and they had a bit of a break and were trying to work on their marriage but you don't see that it's I don't know. I quite like it. Made me feel more sad when she's like drying her eyes and trying to be excited for the kids and pretend everything's fine so that they don't get hurt as well. Yeah, but also for me, the problem is like just like the story with Lola Lina, uh, the woman who's taking care of her brother and who's in love mm. with dad Carl, and basically everybody knows. So she, they actually hook up at some point, but then her brother called. And then it's over, which is a very weird situation. Like, I don't understand how this happening. Like, it happened once, and then it's like, <laughs> it's over because her brother called. And it's just like, so this is how it happened now. It's even like, this isn't even ghosting anymore. It's just like, he called, this is over, we're moving on. So basically, for this two great actress, the role is that they're care of other people. And because they have care of other people, they're miserable. They're not happy. Like, none of the both of them are unhappy. The both of them are stuck in a situation when basically if if you're a carer, the wellness of other people are more important than yours. Do you think that might be a reflection, and I don't know if Richard Curtis would have intended this, but more women tend to be carers than men. And I feel mm. like typically and traditionally, women will put other people before themselves a lot more. Maybe like one or two stories, but they're literally all like that. <laughs> Yeah, it does get a bit tedious, and also we need to discuss that there is zero LGBT representation. 
Oh, that is a good point because I don't know if Bill Nighy's character is meant to be gay or not. We don't see any same-sex relationships. No. They, all they have is him turning up at his manager's house after he's been invited to Elton's and his manager's like, oh, 10 minutes at Elton's and you're as gay as a meatball. And then... Billy says, it turns out the love of my life is you. But they just hug and he's like, let's just hang out together. It feels like a very 2003 way of trying to be LGBTQ+, but being too scared. Not enough, hun. No, 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 not enough at all. I'm not (laughs) saying it's good enough at all. No, but for me, even before when I saw the movie and when I saw it now, there's nothing like this. For me, it's just like a, a declaration of love, of friendship, really more than mm. anything else like someone who's like your family that's been following you your entire life and that's what his manager has been doing for him he's been here in the bad and the good times and when he's saying to him like you're the love of my life is like this is a like the relationship is like that's been here forever so for me there's no i never saw it as maybe i'm wrong i don't know but i never saw it as a declaration of um romantic love mm. i think it might be an example of what's called queer baiting where shows will, they'll have chemistry between same-sex characters and it will seem like they're going to get together and then they never do. And it's to Mm. keep, like, people watching who are interested in that kind of thing without being risky, in air quotes, by showing a gay relationship. I wonder if it's that kind of thing, because as a kid, I assumed they were gay, but then as an adult, he's coming back from a trip with, like, a new woman and they're not together but I wonder whether it's to be like look they could be which is shitty I never picked up on that at all I wonder if it was made now I feel like there's a lot of potential in that sort of film like think how many different relationships we could show like so many different it'll be really good yeah if they remade Love Actually now oh my god it could be so good unless we just basically saw like kind of the same story of like a, a man a white man that looks the same in basically all of them i'm not convinced by the if we had to do it again that it would be better like, uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, I just don't think so what if they had a film where they were looking because like i just realized at the start of this i didn't say what this film is about but so sorry everyone watch it. it come on everyone yeah i mean even lee's seen it now after i forced him to I feel like if I because I guess the whole film is meant to be about different relationships and love and stuff like that but it's it's done and it's done badly and Mm. it would be nice to see it now as a representation of what real relationships are like that's what I mean yeah just like same-sex relationships Mm -hmm. and non-romantic because the monologue when you listen to the monologue and the epilogue at the end it's talking about love like everywhere it's talking about mm. love because when you show the the, the video of the um, strangers meeting in the airport is like parents it's also families it's a very different kind of relationship and they kind of speak about this at the beginning but the whole movie is about cisgender romantic relationship so mm-hmm. it kind of take away this part yeah and some stories don't even really make sense I mean, the two actors, the two stunt double, I don't know, it's not stunt double, but the... Oh, the porn actors. Yeah, the porn actors. I thought that was one of the better stories because I thought that that looked, in terms of feminism, I was like, that looks like it would be an ethical porn scene. There was a bit where um, Martin asked Judy for... I don't know any of the men's <laughs> names. I only know the women's names because they're written down in front of me. But Martin Freeman asked Judy permission before touching her breast. Exactly. I was like, oh, that's cool. They've actually shown some consent in this film, like a tiny sliver, sliver Low bar. of consent. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I think that one might be more realistic just because you see them meeting on different occasions and the relationship. It, I mean, you don't see it in depth. But you see the relationship building up a bit. Mm. And it's not just they meet once yeah. and they can't speak each other's language, but they fall hopelessly in love and then learn each yeah. other's language and then go and propose. I liked at the end that it's like they just hug and kiss and say goodbye. That it's not like mm. they've done this porn scene together and now like you just assume that they're going to sleep together. I just thought it was a bit more innocent mm. and a bit more open-minded possibly in relation to relationships that aren't romantic 
I guess the only one we have is between Liam Neeson and the boy whose name I can't remember. Sam. Yeah. And because that, although like Sam's in love with Joanna, who's a mixed race character who just sings (laughs) and is a love interest, that's all she gets. But she, although he's in love with her and he's trying to get her to fall in love with him, it seems more about both Liam and Sam maybe overcoming their grief and working through I'm your stepdad and your mum's dead and how how do I do that now that your mum's not here? Very loosely. Yeah, that was also one of my favourite stories as well. Mm. It felt very sweet. I like this story. But it's funny because the story I used to love before, I do not like think now they're just weird. I think the Sam one was not my favourite as a kid. My, one of my favourite ones was Colin Firth and the, um, but also because I'm the Colin Firth <laughs> fan and I love him very much so um that, that was <laughs> really didn't see that coming oh Corrine loves Colin Firth <laughs> like would drop everything to be with him loves Colin Firth it is <laughs> really <laughs> don't say yes quietly and carry on yes <laughs> <laughs> anyway so I love the story and now I just realized that the story is stupid like it just it stinks no but also <laughs> it's very quick it doesn't make sense so you see him he's getting cheated on by his wife then he moved to france which i don't know where did he go in france but this is like can we talk about every other country from the except the uk they show in this movie that have nothing to do with the actual country <laughs> between the us and france i'm sorry but i don't know where they're going but this is not france this is not the us <laughs> and the people seems it's very weird and um having a portuguese who's moving to france who doesn't speak a word of french very unlikely to i mean this movie the cliche of the roof but anyway it seemed very french to me <laughs> as an english person i was like sure that's france uh, the last scene <laughs> when when he goes to the restaurant and he's in no oh no just the scene when he goes to the dad's house and then they all walk with him to the restaurants. That doesn't happen, like ever. I think I did not remember how cliche it was. Okay, so when you think about the scene when she jumped into the water, the male gate mm-hmm. of this yeah. scene is off the roof. You see Colin Firth, like this is, she's so sexualized at this point. Uh. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you just see the camera going slowly all over her body. And she goes into the water mm. and you're just like, is it meant for, like, as a woman, I don't know what I'm, like, I'm supposed, what am I supposed to think? Like, it's, I don't, it's supposed to be romantic. I don't know. I feel like I don't, I don't understand if I'm the audience in this movie. I don't, that's really the, this movie watching today. That was my feeling. Like, am I the target audience? I don't think, I don't think so. No, me either. It's also like, I was like, why are you bothering? Like, there are so many pages that are lost. Like, I, if that were me, I'd be like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And that would be it. I, like, apologise. I've got, There's no way I'd try and jump into this random thing of water in winter in Northern Europe to try out. No, sorry, your work's gone. Use a computer. It's 2003. You can afford a shitty laptop. She just wanted to show off her matching underwear set. To be fair, anytime I'm wearing matching underwear, I do like to show it off. Bye, Lakes. Oh, also with uh, Aurelia and Colin Firth, when he goes to propose to her, I felt so anxious for her. I was thinking, don't don't say yes. You have not had one conversation with this man. This is a terrible, terrible idea. Please don't say yes. I'm so scared for you. Don't do that. That's awful. It is not going to end well at all. I didn't remember he was proposing to her. I just thought, I remember that he was going back to her, but I did not remember that he was proposing. When he said propose, I had the same thought. It was like, you haven't talked to this woman. Like, you don't know her. <laughs> and also, the movie, is, is they only known each other for maybe like five weeks, no, not even five weeks, like three weeks or something. They've had mm. one kiss. Before she left. And they haven't spoken to each other in the same language at all. And um, also... Colin says total spaz. Yes! And I was like, oh. I'm glad you wrote that down. I, there was a few things like that that I was just like, oh. Yeah, where you just sort of wince and you're like, yeah. it's not okay. Don't say that. Your boy, your boy Colin Firth. 
Who yeah. knew, eh? Who knew you had such a soft spot for Colin? <laughs> I like the pride and prejudice Colin Firth. I like him in Bridget Jones for some reason. I can't wait to do that on this podcast. <laughs> oh, just to talk about the... Um, I wanted to come back to the people of colour because it's not even just black mm. people. It's just like any people of colour, really, are not this movie yeah. or not like a main character. And and even like you said, Gina, to have they've been they only named some of them in the last ten minutes of the movie. So because some of them, so I counted four of them, obviously, and two of them you you barely know their name, and they have like maybe two sentences. Like the press secretary for the prime minister have maybe two lines, and one of them is actually offensive to Natalie. Net- mm. So yeah, it's not very representative, especially that it happens in London. But it's also mm. 2003, which I think was not a it was not as big of an issue as it is today. No, but it's yeah. weird that a lot of the background characters were quite mixed, though. Like I noticed that in the opening scene, there was, there was a good mix of different ethnicities. It wasn't just white people, and it felt a bit like that in the background. It was more diverse. But then when it came to the actual like leads, it's all white, pretty much. True. And also, I think there's um, but uh, and I realize how it seems like not very far because it's 2003. But the fact that, mm. for example, um, the the guy who go to the U.S. Mm. that w- women in the U.S. are gonna fall for him, or even like you <laughs> Grant having this grand gesture and having this speech in the U.S. It's just like a battle of who has the biggest one because really, it's supposed we're supposed to think that he made this political decision only based on the fact that he was a bad man to his secretary which like Mm -hmm. i don't want my president to do that like this is not a thing like i understand that you may not like him but i'm hoping your policies are not based on that and it's also like yeah men have in this movie have to show power and when they do Mm. they win the woman should we talk a little bit about the american girls i mean there's i don't know if there's much to talk about but everything that colin says is just i'm on shag highway my bags full of condoms it's just oh and then when he's like oh i know what my problem is english girls are stuck up i was like i don't think that's your problem i think you're just a bit of a knob you're a wanker yeah like you're an idiot i don't think that's your problem and i did wonder whether um when he was like oh american girls will love me because my accent's so cute a i don't think that's true but b i guess this was all pre-internet before I, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I, that's not. I mean, obviously, if it were true, it's not to the extent that those girls are like, oh my god, we sleep naked all in one bed together, even though we have a massive house. I know. I thought that. <laughs> like it's you like, don't wow. have another bedroom. They're not in a bed set. Oh. But that's the thing. Like I don't remember. I, I'm really wondering how Americans saw this because I don't remember there's been a kid thinking like this is a stupid uh, vision of America. It looks like mm. every America come from American Pie the movie. Really, it's really the representation they're given. And even when he he comes back from the U.S. and this woman just like kisses his friend that she never met before. But yeah. cute, and she basically kissing him, and that's okay. Assault. Yeah, I was like, don't, don't do that. He's not indicated he wants that. But that's supposedly what American looks like. Man, like all of them look like models. I mean, the actress are like. It's, I think at the end it's like Dennis Richard and another one. I don't remember her name, but I was like, this is what America. I mean, this is what America looks like apparently, and they're very loose mm. and very available. I'm just picturing like an English guy seeing that film and thinking oh my god I should do what Colin does like I'm also a sex god I'm just on the wrong continent and then they go and I just like oh Ugh. I just, just want him to fall flat on his face <laughs> see it could have been like a good journey of self-discovery and him yeah. realizing that he doesn't need that and he just needs to love himself but Sadly, alas it was just tacky it was so good. This, it was actually a foursome yeah in this lovely family friendly movie in this massive house <laughs> I um I also remember even when I was younger feeling so uncomfortable with how over sexualized the backing dancers yeah. are when um, Billy's singing. I know that's kind of the point, and I know he's not meant to be like a good representation of women's rights and stuff. But I remember as a kid, I'd be watching it with my parents and thinking, I feel so uncomfortable because these women are being so sexy and they're mm. basically naked and their legs are just open, and they're licking their lips, and my dad's just there, and this is weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't remember this. I think it was older when it came out, so I don't remember this. I don't remember this shocking me. And I have to say, when I saw it, like I rewatch it now, I just thought there was a lot of like not naked women, but very sexualized women, which I didn't even. If you think about the gallery that the guy had, it's like woman breasts everywhere mm-hmm. with like center hats on their nipples and like just the, the breasts because they don't have a face. Mm-hmm. And I realized like everything, like it, there's a lot of moments when the body of women are everywhere, but just like as objects that we just look at and they're they're pretty but it's just like they're very a lot of the most of the char- the female character where they don't have a name are very sexualized mm-hmm. i also a great line to highlight how much of an asshole that creepy guy is when those kids are giggling at like the men's naked bottoms and he's like um it's not funny actually it's art yeah <laughs> i was like oh my god what a knob like it's Naked men, of course, teenage girls are going to giggle at that. Such an unlikable bloke. So awful. It's like you can react to art in any way you want. Your response is accurate. Fuck off. So annoyed. That's not the worst thing he does, but I was like, you're clearly an arsehole. That's art. It's not funny. <laughs> no, but I have to say, I, I can't believe this story is like so not. It's really a bad story. Like now it will be like kind of a stalker kind of person. Like what will happen if we had like you have a man, you watch a video of you like on close up, not even, <laughs> like, like just your face, and like at every moment of the the night, it's just creepy. Mm. And I will be thinking, I should go. Like, this is, he may kill me. I don't know. Like, it's very weird. I also feel really uncomfortable that he says to Juliet, who's Kira Knightley, his, the first thing on his board is say to Peter, it's carol singers. I was like, you're putting her in a really awkward position. You're making her lie to her husband. Because I, I was just trying to think, like, if Lee's current flatmate and friend was like, I found that film where he'd just been filming me all night for some reason. And then he turned up at the door and was like, don't tell Lee. Say it's Carol Singers. Like, there's no way I wouldn't be able to go in and be like, Lee, Chris <laughs> just declared his undying love to me. I don't know what to do about that. Like, there's no way I wouldn't be able to tell him. And this just putting her in this uncomfortable position of don't tell your husband, but I'm in love with you. That's why I'm an arsehole. Okay, I have a question. First of all, would you mm. know, not tell your husband in the first place when you see the video? Yes. Oh, yes. Especially, like, recently married. Like, <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Uh, so I just went around to your friends. They your best friend's video. obsessed with me. Yeah, just of my face. Can you please sort it out? That's fucked up. I didn't even think Yeah, that. you would have said something before. You don't have to wait for him to shut your house uh, at night to tell you he loves you. You knew that before. It's not... that. W- yeah, that would have been better that Kira Knightley tells her husband and then he rocks up with the signs and Peter punches it. That would be better. Yeah, or when he's like, tell him it's carol singers and she'd be like, Peter, he's here! And then just one the <laughs> lead comes out and is like, what is wrong with you? The creep to call too. the police. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> I don't know why she runs out and kisses him it really bugs me because she, we okay first of all remember I used to feel sorry for him and think oh my mm-hmm. god poor man and basically she's trying to make him feel better to make him feel like a, a little bit happy because he loves her and having a kiss from her he's gonna be like so happy I don't know oh, is there anything anyone wants to say about Sarah who has the sexy geek man, Carl? I thought it was it's kind of a side point, but I thought it was unfortunate that they depicted the mental health as like violent. Mm. I don't know. It, it sat with me a bit weird. I think it's quite a damaging stereotype. Yeah, I agree. The thing is, he doesn't live by himself. So it seems to be like a violent, I don't know. It's a very, I don't, I don't, because you don't really quite understand what happens, like what is the story behind it. I think they don't really talk about it, really. Mm, you understand yeah. that he needs to talk to her all the time. She needs to spend her time over there all the time. But it's also a sad story. Like, it just, there's no, mm. she's in love with her colleague, which is, like, you just, okay, so it didn't happen, and then you go back to being no one again. It's also very weird. And they do not talk about this. 
they don't talk about it. They just stop and then he leaves and um, and then it's over. Mm. I wish they'd had a moment where, because I would assume that he maybe has something like schizophrenia because he has paranoia. Um, he thinks everyone's trying to kill him and things like that. So that's my assumption. But it would have been great if after the second call, she had turned to Khan and been like, look, I'm really sorry, but my brother has X. He needs mm. me to do X for him. I need to go and be with him. That's what's important now. Because, yeah, you're right. All we see is him demanding of her yeah. all the time and then trying to hit her and there's no explanation yeah. of why or yeah and it seems very unrealistic that basically she doesn't have a life because of, like they basically do yeah. him for her having her such a hard life and she keeps saying like no i'm happy to do it but you seem miserable so i don't i don't know if i should believe you and basically it's just sad because they make her have a hard life a brother seems to be the reason mm. and she, she will yeah. never be able to be with someone because they're blaming the brother which i think is unfair on him too me too should we rate the film unless there's anything else anyone wants to say i think we've said enough <laughs> Very briefly, there are a couple of things I picked up on that I completely forgot about. One of them is that when Liam Neeson is asking Sam who he's in love with, he says, what does she, he, feel about you? And I liked that, although that's not enough representation, I like that that was in there, that he doesn't just assume, what does she think? He's like, oh, it could be a he as well. What does he think? That was cool. And then the other thing... Gold star. Yes, good job. Well, I don't know. You get like a tip of a gold star for trying tiny bit Richard Curtis. Also, there's a bit where Emma Thompson says to Liam Neeson, and I think she's just trying to cheer him up and make him laugh, but she says, get a grip. People don't like sissies. No one's going to shag you if you're crying all the time. That's when he's having a cry about his wife. I think she's just teasing, but it's also a bit like, it feels like Uh it's the only time, I think, you see a man cry in the film, and with the whole culture of men not being allowed to cry or show their emotions, it felt like, although I think she's just trying to make him laugh, it's not a great line for them to have put in there because it's reinforcing that stereotype of no one's going to like you if you cry, man up, sort of thing. Mm, I thought that as well. I picked up on that. Uh, I heard it, but I, um, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that's not something we should say but from their relationship I would have assumed it's really about the friendship and how she trying to make him laugh maybe not the best obviously mm. but I think that's what she was trying to pick up for me one of the things that really at the end of the movie that I really questioned was like because obviously it was written by a man, the audience was a majority, like if it was, a, a, it's a cult. It's, the movie is being like a, a classic for so many people. Like so mm. many people have watched it so many times around Christmas. And it, it's like one of the most famous from come. Some of the stories, like we said, were romanticized to the point that we didn't see how problematic they were. But now that I see it, it seems like it's written by men. It's men. It's made for women to think that's how that's what men want. And but it's also reinforcing because a lot of my guy friends saw it too and see it as a good rom com because it also feeds every fantasy they have about women. I mean, between the man mm. who goes to America and sleep with models, basically, you grant to screw his secretary. I, I don't know. It's like every calling oh, yeah. first that's basically sleeping with his mate that he hasn't talked to. Oh yeah, Alan Rickman with like Mia, his secretary. Mm. Oh my god, the whole film's just one big male fantasy. It's all cliche, doesn't it? But it was made for women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So how, how are we going to rate this film? Let's just look at the representation of women out of five. The women don't talk in this movie. They barely talk. I, uh, I honestly want to give it, I think the women that are in it are like, I don't want to say pointless, but they're basically rendered pointless. Mm. And the fact that they're in it as like same sex, like they are just as much a part of the relationship as the man. Yeah, I hadn't really thought how much it's not about them and even with Emma Thompson's character I I mean you do get her with Liam Neeson but it's Alan that you're following 
and that's the story that you're following and yeah and I think her with Liam Neeson is basically just to show that they're all connected do you know what I mean yeah like I think because you want to know that they're just all in this ecosystem and they're all connected so I think those exchanges are purely really to just drive that purpose mm. it's not to like really add that much it's just to sort of show that they do all know each other and they're all connected and mm. also think about that it's Emma Thompson if it wasn't Emma Thompson I don't think this character was would, would have been as present in the movie mm-hmm. she's a great actress and she have presence and I think that's why we saw her so much yeah I don't think she's part of the, she's not as important as Alan Rickman in this story but that's what I mean even with her who I think is one of the better female characters it's not about her and it I mean the only one who's um, about the woman is the one with Sarah and her brother mm. that's about her but this one is depressing. Yeah, and even so, it's still that man controlling her life. Like, although it's her brother, she's still at his beck and call. He's still in power exactly. over her. Oh, I wish we hadn't talked about this film, because the more we're talking about it, the more I'm like, oh, no, it's awful. It's awful. No, but it's funny, because when I rewatch it, I, I haven't seen it in years. So, and I remember thinking some of the stories are not great, but I didn't remember that. I I still have like a fun moment. I mean, there's like rom-com dialogue and I know they're not great. And there's very like the dialogue are bad or there's some characters are just bad in it. Problematic. Love actually, I just did not enjoy any of it. Like I was just like, nope, it's not a great movie. Mm. I love those actors. I really do. But this is not a good movie anymore. I think it's not actually one I think I could recommend to people to watch like I don't think it can be classed as a feminist safe no. film what we're gonna give it like I don't want to give it a zero but a zero point well what I'm thinking is the intersectional characters are even worse than the female characters like have one we given feels any... generous it does are we gonna have to go minus I don't think I, guess... no, I don't think we should go minus I don't think it should get anything for intersectionality I think it's 100% I think that's zero the people that aren't straight white and cis in it are purely there as like sidekicks or best friends like it's mm. all of these tropes the harmful tropes so definitely a zero for that and then like a, a point five or a, a one because I get mm. <laughs> The only thing in its favour is that there are a lot of women. That's it. That's but they don't the only... get screen time. No, they don't. No, they, they don't. That's what I mean. The only plus is there are many female characters and some of them are funny. To pass the Bechdel test, it was Emma Thompson <laughs> talking to the lobster. <laughs> That's, like, ridiculous. This is hilarious. So this film overall gets 0.5 out of 10. Are you really saying saying to me that there's no scene when two women are talking in this movie not about a man, except when she talks to her daughter? Mm -hmm. In fact, there is hard... So I think there are only three-ish scenes where it's just two women talking. So there's when Emma Thompson's talking to her daughter about her lobster outfit, uh, when Sarah and Emma Thompson are talking at the Christmas party and Emma's like, oh, my husband's dancing with more women than other women. Oh, look, there's that man you fancy coming over. And then yeah. there's a bit where Emma Thompson talks to Natalie and says, oh, watch out, you would have been just my brother's type 10 years ago. I genuinely think that's it. Mm. Yeah, I think right. For women talking to each other. Yeah, I don't remember a scene when there's two women because they... None, most of the women don't know each other anyway. The connection are mostly the men. So, yeah. It's really bad. So, 0.5? <laughs> yeah, I think... Erin's going to be so mad when we tell her we gave her favourite film 0.5 out of 10. <laughs> I mean, she also she knows that it's a problematic movie. She does. She still enjoy it. <laughs> the, the rating is for intersectionality so what we do is we give the film a 10 out of 10 and we split it into two different halves one half is for the female characters one half for the intersectional characters the reason i split it like that is because so many films as you know don't even have that many great female characters in it let alone any characters who aren't white or cis or able-bodied or whatever it might be so i was like i think we need to split these up because there's just so little to look at for some of these films and also it means that we if we're watching a film that do have great white female characters in it we're not then giving it a really high score because it's brought down by the intersectional side Mm. um which is why things like the terminator and jurassic park 
and the mummy even though they have some really good female characters in them they have like next to no intersectional characters they're still not rated highly so this one is bad then because it doesn't i mean it does have a lot of women but they're kind of not the they're just like sad characters female characters and they basically don't represent any any other non-white cis non-able people. Love actually gets a 0.5 out of 10, which I don't think mm. any of us are surprised by. <laughs> I mean, I really, I'm not surprised by the rating. I'm surprised after rewatching it after like a couple of years, how it did not edge well. It really didn't. No. It's also kind of scary to think that back in 2003, it was so acceptable to be so fat phobic. And it still is now for a lot of people and a lot of parts of society. But I, I was so shocked by that because for me at that time, that would have just been funny. It would have just been funny to laugh at someone because they're fat or It's no not. wonder we all, well, I did, have like weight issues as a teenager mm. when you see stuff like that, like... Yeah. And feel bad about feel bad about how you look. I mean, have you, you watch Friends, right? Friends is awful. Yeah. It's, it's... Oh, my God. And I love the show. I still watch it. But yeah, the way they deal about body issues, mm. there literally no people of color. I mean, that's not true. There's they have some. It's very white, rich, I mean upper class. So yeah. And this one too, actually. Yeah, like they can all I mean, I don't know if they're renting, <laughs> but Kira Knightley's little house that she's got, presumably in London. In that just looks like I it's recognize little... it wasn't Oh beautiful but also <laughs> it's like jesus this is obviously before a time when people couldn't afford anything anywhere oh yeah and even sarah's flat looks so cool she's got mm-hmm. kind of it's almost like the upstairs area is part of the downstairs area oh well, yeah when i saw yeah. the flat i was like oh i want to like this in london that would be nice yeah it's one bedroom but it's actually very nice even liam yeah. nielsen is apartment is pretty it's like pretty big i don't know what he does for a living but it seems to be like okay oh yeah Colin Firth has a house and then also can afford a house in France as well so fucking hell <laughs> he's a good writer apparently <laughs> I don't know where you write but he's supposed to... it's going Firth so you know <laughs> oh so Love Actually gets a 0.5 out of 10 oh Love Actually not surprising but a little bit upsetting never mind thank you very much to my co-host for joining me today it feels weird to say I hope you have a Merry Christmas given that we're in November but I hope your future selves are having a great Christmas <laughs> Merry Christmas. If you want to let us know your thoughts about how awful love actually is, then you can find us at Real Feminism, real spelled R W E L, on Instagram and Facebook. I would love to hear you all tearing into this film. That would be great. And we will be back in your ears in two weeks' time on Christmas Eve. Ooh. Well, we will be discussing Gremlins, the not at all remotely child-friendly child film. See you then. Bye. Bye.